Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is Sean Kananese. I'm Ricky Hayashi and I'm still watching this tennis match. <laughs> I'm Jose Boveda and I'm watching Ricky watch the tennis match. And I which, really like high-scoring tennis matches because they're Which the is longer, this tennis match or Sean's explanation of casting <laughs> lightning bolts? I think I mean, people like that explanation, you know. You know, we, we actually did get some good emails back, one from uh, – especially from Frankie G. Uh, is what's he, that's what he calls himself. Pain mode, Frankie G. Pain mode. That's right. But he says, thanks for riding the lightning. So, yes, he doesn't say where he's from. Slovenia? Maybe. He could be. Could be. North Korea, someplace interesting. So, anyway, yes, this that was a long, long, long tennis match. Um, but that's enough Hi. banter. We're here to talk about Magic the Gathering and judging for Absolutely. Magic the Gathering. I've been going to daily MTG all the time now. It's the <laughs> best! No more spinning orbs. <laughs> no more planets. <laughs> no more planets. Oh, so good. Good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we've enlightened you, Jose, and hopefully we've helped a few other listeners. So, I hear that you have an agenda for us, Sean. We have a, we have a list of things to talk about. Uh, we have a lot of new rules changes and documents that are brand new and different, uh, so we'll want to get into those. Uh, we do want to cover our mailbag, but this time I'm going to limit it to just uh, five or so of the really good questions that we got in. Just, just five. Well, quote we, unquote. We do we do answer them off off the air. Absolutely. Like we'll we'll write you back and uh, you know answer your questions, whatever it is you you ask, we'll answer. Just that you know we try to pick cherry pick the best uh, rules questions for the uh, right right the more interesting ones and also the ones that have more succinct answers they're not so much like well my opponent may have looked at the top card of his deck while he was shuffling but i don't know and well, you know you guys we, we answer can, the rules questions yeah we'll talk i'll about answer any questions. questions you have about mandy moore awkward, yeah, you know, insert awkward silence here you know now that i think about it i think it may be worth answering a good number of emails on the air, just because like I don't want people to think that we're not we're not going to answer them. And and on top of everything else, think of the lightning bolt question. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that one would have made it, but that was. But personally, I went. I'm you know I'm a narcissist. I go back and listen to JudgeCast. I think it's a good uh, good cast. But, you know, they come out like a week after we record them, so it's like you know I, I by that time I forgot what we <laughs> talked about. So I go back and listen, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. You're that like, was cool. You're like the goldfish host. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Man, that guy sounds dumb. Oh crap, it's me. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Okay, I, so we've got our mailbag, and also if you have a question that you'd like us to answer, you can send that to judgecast at gmail dot com. J-U-D-G-E-C-A-S-T at Gmail. We're happy to answer those questions. Other than that, we have other listener emails, but they've really gone into broader topics that we want to talk about. Um, So judging in remote locations or places where you may not have a store nearby. Um, And also we want to resolve our last contest. Our last contest. Our our most recently completed contest. Listeners... Sean is going to cut this part out. He's going to cut this part out. (laughs) Has yet to give me the facts that he promised he would to send to you guys. We usually record at Great Escape. Today we're recording at, you know, Casa de Jose. Mm -hmm. Um, So all he needs to do is put them in his bag. Yeah, I know. 
they were in my hand earlier today. And they, they will be then in your hands. Then there was a national holiday. <laughs> I went to the post office and they were closed. <sighs> All right. Uh, we'll, we'll get it done. We'll okay. get it done. And we're going to give one lucky listener a set of Nemesis, a draft set of Nemesis for his candy bar idea. We, we got some good candy bar ideas. I think so. And, and people were putting them in the comments of our two hosts at, at uh, Mana Nation and MTG Cast, which uh, very happy to have them as our hosts and very happy to see people commenting there, sharing their ideas and getting some conversation going. So that's a good things. Okay. So I think that's we, – we're hopefully going to keep this to a, a somewhat shorter show than you're used to hearing from us <laughs> today. <laughs> Oh, no. What am I going to listen to a week from now? Well, it's not that you're going to listen to it from a week from now. Hopefully, we'll get this one out a little faster because we have another episode that we're recording this coming weekend. Oh, yeah. With Toby Elliott. Now, the Toby Elliott, level five uh, rules guru. He's the one that has the... Uh, policy guru, especially. Yeah, never heard of him either. Is he a tennis player, too? He's the guy that certified you. Of oh. course you've heard of him. Good thing he is your progenitor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he, Toby doesn't listen to our No, he, he certified me too. So, um, Do you know Toby listens? Toby listens, right? Toby listens. I don't know. No. Give maybe him a, give maybe him he only we'll listens see. when he's on because he's a narcissist. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I'm leaving that part in. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so we have I, those. I'm leaving this state, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I mean, you know, he'll catch up with you at the next Pro Tour, I'm sure. Oh, crap. He's a judge of the next pro tour. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He'll catch up. He'll, he'll find a way. It's like, What do you mean I'm on the, Ricky, the overnight the, shift every the, day? <laughs> and you're the trash team lead on the AM shift. No, um, that's, we'll, we'll figure that out. But uh, All right. Well, you want to talk about the uh, new documents and policies and all sorts of other fun stuff that we have now? Why are you looking at me? Well, because I, I haven't read them. Well, I, I have never... a, I have a tournament this weekend, so I chose not to saturate my mind with policy that wasn't going to be in effect yet. I didn't want to confuse myself. Ricky, Ricky is a role model for all us judges. Uh, well, I'm serious. Like, if if I'm not going to use it, like, why would I want to read up on it? Like, on the plane, I'll probably read up on the old documents just so I can brush up. True. Okay, well, and that's true because these don't actually come out until July, July 1st. 1st. Right. Which maybe by the time you listen to this, they're in effect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also, um, it's not just the comp rules that got updated. You know, it's the comprehensive rules did get updated, um, but also uh, the tournament rules got updated, the MTR, mm-hmm. um, the infraction procedure guideline got a huge revamping. It is, it is totally different. And we have a brand new rules document. Um, and it's not so much a, a reference or a a, a uh, even calling it a rules document is a little stretchy. Yeah, it's more like a handout. <laughs> it is a it is a Xerox. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more something. I mean, when it uses terms like general unwanted behaviors, like it's not necessarily that you're. But it actually, I think it's an awesome new document. We should we should tell them what right. what happened with well, the IPG first. Okay. Well, we'll okay. We'll get into those then. Um, you know, so what happened? Of course, what is the event, Jose? Well, the uh, IPG used to have you know uh, different rules enforcement level uh, uh, penalties for every infraction. It used to go down and, uh, and across regular, competitive, and professional. Right. So regular would be like your F and M's, your game days, those sorts of things. Competitive is the first day of a Grand Prix 
or a PTQ, a Grand Prix trial, those sorts of things. Yep. And things where you need deck lists. Right. And professional is, of course, the, uh, the, the lights and glitz of the, uh, the Pro Tour. The Pro Tour and day two of a Grand Prix. Right. But it doesn't matter anymore. Well, it does because you still have, <laughs> you still have all three of those rules enforcement levels in existence. It's just that the distinction between professional and competitive is much less, which, which it's, makes, it's almost trivial, yeah. I'd say. But it all it, it kind of always was because other than a few corner cases and a couple of infractions that mm-hmm. had a difference, the competitive I, uh, IPG and the professional IPG had the same uh, penalties associated with it. That's, you know, that, a game loss would be a game loss there. A warning would be a warning. By and large, that's true. There were a couple differences. Couple differences. Um, and now it's it's consistent from one to the next. That right. what's a game loss in competitive at a PTQ will also be a game loss at professional rules enforcement level. What will be a warning at a PTQ will still be a warning at a right. professional event. That's that's true. Um, so if everything is the same, why are they different? Because regular REL kind of got shifted out of the IPG. Mm-hmm. That handout that Sean was talking about? That's the, the, it's, uh, it's actually the Regular Rules Enforcement Level Guide to Fixing Common Errors. That's the name of the document. And, and it's a, you know, philosophically, it's a great shift. It's a shift on how we think of regular REL. Mm-hmm. Most FNMs, if they even have a judge, you know, like a certified judge, that's, that's a rarity. And usually they're just, you know, running the tournament. They may be playing in it. And, you know, it's, a, it's probably at a store, a lot of regulars. So things are pretty loose. In other words, the regular REL tournaments, by and large, were run very loosely. Mm-hmm. The point was to get people to play, have people have a good time. And for judges, regular REL was about teaching people. Absolutely, and it still is. That's, that's yeah. what this really reinforces. Um, and you know, you'll notice in this Fixing Common Errors handout, I'm not even going to call it a document, but in this, in, in the, actually document's kind of a good noun for it, I suppose. In the document, you don't even have the same terminology to describe what each of the errors is. You, know, you don't have a game rule violation. You don't have uh, you know, of course, we're not using deck lists at regular rules enforcement level anyway, so you're not going to have deck deck lists, mismatch, or deck problems, that sort of thing. But really, you have, you know, a player realizes they have forgot to, forgotten to take a mandatory action, or a player accidentally flipped over a card while shuffling, or saw a card they shouldn't have. Like, the wording, the very wording of it is meant to be a friendlier, kinder, gentler sort of introduction to this is how we try to keep things on the level, instead of, you know, the more infraction procedure right. guideline, right. how it's you penalize players for yeah, exactly. misplay. It exactly. cuts out the legalese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes it a more readable document so that we can actually hand this to a player and say, you know, before you get into your get into the event, take a look and read this. Or just for the tournament organizer, the person behind the counter that, you know, they've got a million other things to do, they need to know how they should also be helping the tournament run smoothly while they're running the register or doing whatever else, they can read this and they can now understand better how to keep it fair and they can fun. have it they can have it posted in the uh, in the tournament room or whatever mm-hmm. so that you know it's easy reference for people as well. Right, right. And it also I think promotes some level of self enforcement among more casual groups too, because they kind of don't have to wade through a lot of technical language to get to the heart of how do we really go about fixing these. And a lot of the fixes that they talk about 
they're the same thing that we would do under yeah. the normal regular REL stuff mm-hmm. um, in the old IPG. And at the same time, it puts it in a good philosophical context where the players that are going to be experiencing this the first time in a regular rules enforcement level environment, when they get to a PTQ and the same thing happens, they'll be able to see the continuity from what they, they're used to seeing in the fixes here to, okay, now that we've leveled it up in terms of the expectations, I can understand the continuity from one to the next. I, I really think it's a, it's a great idea. Yeah. And in taking regular rules enforcement level out of the IPG, I mean, I, I think Toby mentioned that you, you cut five pages out of the thing. Yeah. And, and you know, we'll talk more with Toby with this right. on Sunday. But um, you cut five pages off the document. You take out a lot of the, the downgrades and the, a lot of the ways that you really used to confuse the document. Yeah. Um, it, it makes it a much simpler, simpler infraction procedure guidelines, too. Yeah, and it's it's much better to read now that now that the uh, competitive and professional infractions are in line. Mm-hmm. It, I can't tell you like you know I, I I became a judge pretty recently. Studying the IPG, I had like flashcards. Mm-hmm. I had just everything. It's like okay, well, is this you know I had to memorize the ones that were uh, different and professional because those are the you know the ones that they may get you with. Right. Um, right. But now it's just. One infraction, one penalty. Mm-hmm. And also, it, you, you touched on, on the differences between them. You know, it used to be five different levels of rules enforcement levels. Mm-hmm. It used to be five different ones, and you used to have to remember, you know, what is a gameplay errors, you know, infraction and, and penalty and fix at each of those. But then also, you know, when you get to game player, game rule violation, deck, deck list, all the other ones. Um, it really got to be a lot more complex. I, I think they've come much closer to that perfected IPG with this yeah. this document. So it's, you're saying it's never been easier to become a judge? Absolutely. And if you're interested in becoming a judge, you sh- especially if in you're, you're in Northern California, you should contact me at judgecast at gmail.com because then you and I can talk about, you know, more directly about how do you become a judge? How do you want to do this? What stores are you working with? You know, what's your experience like? What would you like to do as part of the judge program? All those sorts of things. And if Sean doesn't like your answers, I am the bouncer. Well, yeah, I mean, that or we'll send ninjas to your house, one or the other. We'll, we'll figure that out. Generally speaking, the Rakuza. Right. The ninjas are all coming with me. <laughs> That's right. We, we'll actually build the airfare separately to you uh, for the ninjas to fly from Virginia to uh, wherever it is you are. So that happened with, with the IPG. Uh, tournament rules are also new and different in some ways. Um, you know, the, the differences are, are, I think, most... Mostly related to the IPG changes. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, when we... You know, and, well, and also the MTR is, is especially updated with the changes in Extended. Yeah. Um, but we really don't want to get into that. That's something more for the strategery you know, podcasters. I'll let the in contention guys deal with that or Monday Night Magic guys deal with that. Right. They can they can rant all they want about extended right, right. financial gurus like Kelly Reed and Jeremy Fuentes are right. going nuts over this too. Yeah. There was there was a crazy run. The night they announced the new rotation, mm-hmm. people were going crazy on Magic Online trying to sell off their stuff to bots that were not price adjusting. Yeah. Like 
sell off your Ravnica dual lands at the old price before they could lower their buy prices. Yeah. It, and people were on Facebook, like, telling everyone else what the names of the bots that were still <laughs> buying it at the certain price. And it was a gold rush. Yeah, kind was, of, yeah, a minor price crash. Oh, yeah, so, but that's all in extended and, and you know. If, right, right. We're, we're not going to talk about it. Right. We'll, we'll let that go. But, so what do you uh, think of extended, Ricky? This is a fantastic change. I, I, I agree. Please, because please no one played extend. This is the thing. Matt Tabak, I think, I think it was Matt on IRC, said, "Wow, of like the two hundred people who actually play extended, ten thousand, ten thousand of them are mad about this change." <laughs> like the, the reaction to this was much, much bigger than you know the the people who play. We're talking. Grand Prix DC standard constructed 1900 people. Grand Prix Oakland extended uh, 700 something. Yeah. Houston extended 600 something. That just shows you and, and our PTQs here in Northern California were the same. Like we had PTQs under 100 players for the first time in years during the extended season. Yeah, and this is and consider how many of those people grind through the extended PTQs with the same deck, uh, you know, time after time, season after season, because the the changes were so slow in coming. You cool. can play you can play your deck unless some crazy new tech comes around the corner. You can basically play your deck for a long time. So you can the the people who attended are people who can just attend. The new blood, I don't know yeah, if that was, was flowing as there's too big of a gap that the people who play standard at Friday Night Magic could not port their decks into extended. Right. Like you can't take, you know, Naya Vengevine and play it in extended. Now with the change, it you know, possibly viable with a, yeah. just a few additions. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the preemptive Banning. Uh, Hypergenesis. It makes sense. Especially yeah. if you're losing one of the key cards to stop it. Chal- oh, Chalice of the Void. Yeah. But there's still Nyx. There is still Nyx, and I <laughs> and just bought me a play set of Nyx. If you want to play Nyx, that's fine. Yeah. That's, it's, I'm sideboarding it against, you know, Living Death, so or Living End, whatever they call that card. They are two different cards. Yeah, I know. The Living End is also a pretty cool Australian uh, rockabilly band. Well, that's good to know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just looking forward to playing against fairies for the next, you know, three oh, extended That's what everyone's whining like. It's going to be fairies again. Okay, but you have the tools to defeat them. Like at the end of that season, fairies was splashing for Lightning Bolt to kill Great Stable Stag. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, but now force we, them to do that again and muck well, up their mana base. Now so. they have a scalding turn that they can do it with. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! All right. Well, but you and can, I think that's but an, you can okay. cascade into Great Stable Stag off of Bloodbraid Elf. Like, how are they going to stop all of these things? They're splashing red. They can just double, double negative. negative. Yeah, oh, they'll, they'll figure on. out a way. Extra no. is terrible. Okay, so let's get off of Extended for a while here, and let's get back into... It's fine. Stop worrying about it. Yeah, it, it's fine. Stop worrying about it. Sell your Love Ravnica duels to EDH players. Yeah. I, it's a, that's the thing. Like, Ravnica duels are still cool for a lot of casual people. I mean... I know, because I can't afford the just, original duels <laughs> Just on the Mothership the other day, uh, I saw an article which linked to a 2006 
article by JMS. That would be J. Moldenhauer Salazar. And he wrote about how even though you're building on a budget, you should really invest, make the heavy investment in ninth edition pain lands. <laughs> wow. Right? But but the shock lands, the Ravnica, those Ravnica duels, I think, are just gonna be yeah, you know staples. For, for EDH, definitely. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's not so bad. But if you do want to get rid of them, uh, send an email to judgecast <laughs> at gmail. Okay, okay, all right, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm hanging sure. on to mine for super duper extended. So we'll see if that actually happens. <laughs> I supposed to it. call it overextended. I, I doubt it. People standard, people have double, totally made that double up. Double standard. Yeah, double that's standard. A good, that's a good nickname. But I'm t- all right, let's get back into our schedule here because we do have a plan this time. <laughs> the plan has always been yeah, you we know, derail your plan. You're no Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> your right. plans keep falling apart. So we've talked about the new rules, the new MIPG, MTR, all that stuff. And we'll talk more about it on Sunday with Toby. Right, right. We'll actually get an in-depth interview with the, the man responsible for that document for making that happen. Um, and, yeah, uh, along with the many others that contributed to those. Um so let's talk a little bit more. We have a few questions here that all kind of circle around becoming a judge and judging from a, a position where they don't really it's have a lot of... than ever. But when they don't have a whole lot of resources at their, at their beck and call, where they don't have necessarily the sorts of things that they need around them to become judges. Like what? Like a store. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, there's there's the wizard store locator, um, and you know we do have uh, one person here who sends us an email saying, you know, I don't have a store really within 45 minutes to an hour of me. You know, how do I actually become a judge? You know, if I wanted to become a judge, how would I go about that? Hmm. Does um, he have PTQs? No, he doesn't. He plays magic online. Basically, he's he's in he's calling us from the middle of Pennsylvania. Oh, because, speaking of because Pennsylvania is kind of like I think I'll use James Carville's analogy here. It's Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, with Alabama between them. You know, and that's where that's where James here is. He's in that Alabama between did, between them. Did and you just, just insult Alabama? <laughs> If they can, if I, they can, I have friends in Alabama. I'm going to tell them. <laughs> Incidentally, Alabama's a beautiful place. Well, good for that place. But I, I mean, for James here, he really doesn't have anywhere he can go to play aside from playing online. Well, playing online—that's one of my big beefs with playing online. Yes, if the rules enforce themselves, how nice is that? But that also means that you don't need judges. Um, you know, 45 minutes away from the nearest store. What would you do in that situation? How would you go about, you know... I'm a little... A little confused. Like, why would you want to be a judge then? Because he would like to start running events in his local area. Where would he run them? That's his question, right? Like, if if he wants to run events, it's not so much about being a judge. It's that if he is nowhere near, he is, Mm -hmm. you know, an hour radius, there's no store... Where he can go play magic, mm-hmm. he must have some sort of play group or something that he plays with, right? Um, yeah, basically there are a few cards. Or play magic online. Exactly. Now he does, you know, 
it was really difficult for him to even get a DCI card. Like right. the only store that actually sells magic cards at all in his area is, you know, Walmart. Yeah, and that's you know, that's, that's pretty. That's yeah. that's bottom of the barrel. You know. Yeah. Did you just insult Walmart? Gladly. <laughs> <clears throat> it's true. They sell stuff for like you know retail. <sighs> anyway. So. So my point was that it sounds less like he needs to become a judge, and more like he needs to become a store owner. Yeah, I, well, I, I that's, think that's where I was going with that. You could just start your own store. If he does not have a place to run events, then he doesn't want to be a judge so much. He wants to be a tournament organizer. Well, and that's that's a good place to start, I think, also. Yeah. I think there's also another place that I'd refer him to, and that's an article on the Judge Center that was written not too long ago. Um, and I need to actually look it up here real quick. So go ahead and banter for a minute while I do It'll this. be in the show notes, of course. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, he wants to be a tournament organizer, and that is, through the Wizards Play Network, according to Sean, really easy. <laughs> Let me tell you, you want to know something? Here I am trying to add a venue to my uh, oh, Wizard, yeah, to my Wizards Play Network so I can run events not at Great Escape because Great Escape uh, you know has like I don't know how many tournament organizers so I kind of have to and they run a lot of tournaments mm-hmm. other than Magic so squeezing my reject rare drafts in edgewise is kind of hard so I'm looking for other places to run things I don't know where to add an, a, a venue. I have to call Charles Hickey. <laughs> okay, we're done with Charles Hickey. I have this the the, the article here uh, that I was referring to earlier called "Judging from a Black Hole of Magic." Oh, I know that one. Yeah, by Carlos. Carlos Ho. That's right. Uh, from Panama, currently residing in Spain, um, and he he talks a little bit about you know how do you become a judge when you don't have a whole lot going around in your local area. Um, it talks a little bit about, you know, finding the nearest big event, you know, and, and using those contacts there as like the Grand Prix trials or the sure. the Grand Prix. Um, and if you're in Pennsylvania, you've got Grand Prix Columbus coming up not too f- too far from now, and I think that's probably close enough to Pennsylvania. They may have a Grand Prix trial in the area there. I mean, there there are definitely some some well, options. Yeah. So I mean, my point is. If you if you want to become a judge from the middle of Pennsylvania, your options are not that limited because mm-hmm. you can go to Pittsburgh or you can go to Philadelphia. That's and kind of those a, are kind what a, a long three drive. four hour drives right, in either but, uh, direction. But but this this listener, but that's a lot closer than a lot of people. The point being, what happens if he becomes a judge? He needs to be an organizer, or and or a store owner, right and actually foster community get so, people to play right so so you can run events what ricky is saying that is that you want to be a tournament organizer either instead of or in addition to becoming a judge and as a tournament organizer you can run events in a lot of different places uh public places like a library uh you can run it at um and uh you know the only limit is that you have to get it cleared with the uh, venue to run and then you can run events there and as soon as you start getting the word out uh, about your events you start with your local play group they tell some people you know you show up you have fun and it, it can it can grow from there 
So, you know, there's no there's no replacement for good old hard work, but you can run your event anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to take a brick and mortar, though, because you're probably going to need to get a pre-release, which means you have to have a physical store right, you to be have able a- to draw the people in to get, you know, like a dozen, 20 to start with. That's true. Although you can run a pre-release technically without having a store. You just have to, you know, do it carefully. Yeah. It, it takes, and it takes a lot more dedication to get that done. Um, but yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Any tips on how to become a store owner? Um, I have no advice in that mm-hmm. regard. Jose? Well, you need your license. Like a business license? You need a business license. Um, you also need like a distributor's license so that you can actually get the product at, at wholesale. Right. And, and, so and Wizards is going to, in order to get you that from Wizards, like Wizards is going to want to want pictures of the store, pictures of people playing there, you know, so, some indication that you really do exist at, in a real store, that you aren't just some phantom going to eBay the product that you get. Right. So... Okay. Are you well, making fun of Alabama again? <laughs> Maybe Alabama can become our North Dakota. Oh. Callie's going to be mad. Okay. Well, you know, one final so, thing. If, if you're interested in opening a store in, in virgin territory like this, I would recommend uh, contacting Kelly Reed at quietspeculation.com. Oh yeah, because he's he recently great. did this in yeah. Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> so far, it sounds like he's doing okay, and he, you know, he he went through a lot of these. What do I need to do to get a store running? Like, where should I focus my money? That kind of stuff. Sure, sure. So, so I, in summary, good luck. <laughs> I think the main summary would be don't do it <laughs> because it's very hard. Well, that's a good reason for not doing anything. (laughs) He's just so negative. He is. He is. Okay, before we get to our mailbag, I have one more thing. Oh, how do you have this open? This is the. I don't even want to see this. This is the worst. Oh, what? Let me see. This is this is the worst quote in Magic history this week. Um, (laughs) That is in this week's Magic history, and luckily they have since corrected it. But it was on the record for a while, and of course. It's now been captured forever on the internet. Um, the San Jose Mercury News, uh, known to locals as the San Jose Mercury News, um, is not known for its amazing reporting. But in this case, they got it really, really wrong. And it's related to magic. So I figured I should share this quote with you. And that's from a, an article that they profiled Superstars Game Center, which is the, the brick and mortar behind Channel Fireball. And um, our good friend Eric Levine is running tournaments there. And they had a reporter stop by at uh, one of their monthly vintage 10 proxy events. And the reporter was just getting a feel for magic and kind of giving a, a synopsis and writing all this up. And in her article, uh, she wrote, In tournaments... Magic judges assess players' hands before rounds and award powerful proxy cards to those considered outmatched. What? (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding? I'll read this again. 
I in tournaments, feel outmatched. <laughs> in tournaments, magic judges assess players' hands before rounds and award powerful proxy cards to those considered outmatched. Judge! Right. This guy's <laughs> totally want me game one. Can I have a Lotus or something? Right, exactly. Not, no. Um, and, of course, Eric went on to correct her and, and, and really helped out with that, I think. And they've since changed the article. But just seeing that up there, um, I, I personally got a great kick out of it, especially knowing that it was Eric's store and that it was all his fault, I'm sure. <laughs> I, um, have, I did not see that quote until just now. So That's yes. ridiculous. So congratulations, Eric, on ruining judging for everybody because of that. Um, no, actually, you did a great job in correcting it right away. So <sighs> if you have really bad quotes about magic that you see in the media, let us know. Okay, on to the mailbag. Mail time! Okay, so our mailbag today. We have five quick questions here. Actually, one's just a thanks for the lightning bolt explanation. So let's. You're welcome. We my, have, my suffering <laughs> is your joy. Okay, we have four other questions, though, uh, that we want to cover today. Uh, one is Channelers of Moldaya and Where Ancients Tread. So this player here asks us. In an email, his name's Dave. And he is from? He's from Colorado Springs. Oh, Colorado Springs, very nice. Okay, so Dave from Colorado Springs. Someone asked me this question recently, and I couldn't figure out the answer. I'm sure you can. Here's the scenario. A player has Where Ancients Tread on the field. He plays Moldiah Channelers, revealing the top card of his library, and it's a creature. Here's the question. Does Wearing Ancients Tread deal 5 damage to target creature or player? Since revealing the card and the application of the 3-3, three, three, plus 3, plus 3, I believe are state-based actions, would they cause the challenge to be 5-5 five, five as it enters the battlefield, thus triggering the enchantment? Or would it be a 2-2 two, two entering the battlefield, become a 5-5 five, five after the opportunity to trigger the enchantment has passed? So that's what Dave's question is. He even gave us the oracle text for the cards, so I didn't have to go look them up. That's awesome. Please do that more often. Dave, that was fantastic. So, Jose, what do you think? Well, uh, uh, the listener was not exactly correct that the effects are state-based actions. Right. It's more just... They just well, that's one, of my, that's one of my pet peeves, is that people will latch on to terms, like technical magic terms... And just start using them without really understanding what they mean. Right. State-based actions has a pretty specific definition. Um, it's things like that would you would lose the game. You, you know, things that would put a creature with you know power uh, with with damage marked on it equal to its toughness in the graveyard or lethal damage marked on it in the graveyard. Um, things like that. Those are state-based actions. Um, the thing that determines you know what a creature's power and toughness is not a state-based action, no, um, but still important. Um, so, yes, um, the short answer is that yes, yes. Ancient where ancients tread will trigger um, because it enters the battlefield as a five-five. Um, there's no 
triggering condition, no time when your top card of your library is not revealed and Channelers enters the battlefield. There's no window there where that's not the case. Right. If Channelers is on the battlefield, the top card is revealed and that effect applies. Um, so that's that's the short answer for it. Um, you may be able to wrap your head around it a little easier if you consider things like um, if you had a glorious anthem in play and you you know cast a Sarah Angel, that Sarah Angel enters the battlefield as a 5-5. Five five. Also would trigger where Ancient Strength. Right. Um, or there's another example with Crashing Centaur. Uh, it gets plus two, plus two if you have Threshold. Well, if you have Threshold and you cast it and it enters the battlefield... It's not a 3-4, it's a 5-6. Also you know? triggers for Ancient Strength. Right. These are all, all times where it wouldn't normally, but it does because this other condition is met. And there's no window between the two things being met or not. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it always, it's an always-on sort they're, of condition. They're static uh, abilities with continuous effects. That's, yes. All right, moving right along here to our next uh, question. That old uh, Moldiah Chandler, Sarah Angel, Centaur, Crashing Centaur's <laughs> deck. Pretty hot. All right, let's move on. Um, we do have a question here. This is our first question from anyone in Iraq. I trigger yeah. where ancients tread. Brad's question. <laughs> Brad is in Iraq. Um, he is... A, in um, Iraq? He's in Iraq. Shout um, out. And he, yes, he, he asks us to give a shout out to all the Magic players stuck in Iraq with him. So mm. to all of you out there. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Very, very glad to hear your question here. Re um, regardless of your political stance mm -hmm. on you know, them being out there, no, we have to absolutely. wish them you know, safe journeys and hope that they come home. Absolutely. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, this is our first question from Iraq, and I kind of hope we don't get another one. Not because I don't like answering it, but because it'd be nice to get them home. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, if you have another question and you're in Iraq, by all means, send it our way. So. And of course, like, if, if you're a native of Iraq or just living there. Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. I, this is an international show. We've gotten questions from, you know, all over the world. We've gotten from New Zealand, from Japan, from... Antarctica. Canada. Canada. Antarctica. Who know. wrote us in from I, Antarctica? I think I made that up. Yeah, okay. we you, got you, one yeah, from Boston. Did. I was watching Whiteout, <laughs> terrible Kate, uh, Get him from Kate the Beckinsale UK. movie. <laughs> All right, so Brad's question, though, um, is actually pretty straightforward. Uh, he has unstable footing, and he's playing against a Turbo Fog deck. And the Turbo Fog player plays an Angel Song, and he plays unstable footing in the same turn. He wants to know what happens. So this is one of those sorts of classic interactions between something that says something can't happen and something says, no, I'm going to do this anyway. You know? Prevent the damage and damage can't be prevented. Right, exactly. Um, and it's one of Magic's golden rules yep. that we get into here. It's pretty, pretty early in the uh, comp rules it tells mm -hmm. you that if there are two effects and one says something can happen... And one says something cannot happen. The cannot wins. Right, and and the yeah the rule is one hundred one point two. This and is one of those situations where people will try to again insert incorrect knowledge. Mm -hmm. They'll try to say, oh, it's timestamp order, 
Right. Or, oh yeah, that's or true. active that's player, idea. non-active player. Like they hear mm-hmm. these terms and they try to apply them to the wrong right. wrong places. The, the easy way to remember this is that can't wins. Well, I'm ready for another question. How about you? Okay, this one comes from Dave. Already had one Dave. from a Dave. This is a different Dave. Only one Dave. No, this is David. Oh, you know what? Actually, this is Dave from Colorado Springs. Is it the same one? It is. Dave's really confused. Okay, he has another question here. Could be different Daves. Twin Daves. In like Colorado, Stang. Springs. Colorado Springs. That's Stang's first name. And they share. Dave Stang. They share an email address too. Um, they're really close. They're, yeah. Right, Dave Stang. <laughs> Dave Stang. Is the other one named Dave? can't be named Dave. If they both have the same name, they kill each other. All right. Back on to this here. Um, actually, yes, yeah, Stang and Stang Twin was yeah. the, the token. But um, Dave and Dave Twin token. <laughs> Dave and Dave Twin. Okay, so Dave's really confused. About? 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 Stang. Well, he, has a, he sent us like a bunch of questions. I'm really just going to touch on one of them. And that's the difference between Blood Chief Ascension... And Luminarch Ascension in Two-Headed Giant. One's black, one's white. Done. Oh, no. The ma- the converted mana costs are also different, Ricky. Oh, you got me. Okay. Well, that's those are both um, interesting answers. Um, but they're not exactly what we're going for here. Uh, Blood Chief Ascension um, and Luminarch Ascension are both uh, those enchantments that have that trigger that triggered ability that will put counters on them, quest counters on them, and... Are they quest counters? They're quest counters. Yeah. And so let's... To start this off, Dave wants to know... He thinks they work differently in Two-Headed Giant because everybody tells him they do. (laughs) But he doesn't really understand why. And he wants us to kind of explain it a little bit to him uh, for Blood Chief Ascension and Luminarch Ascension. So... Um, Blood Chief Ascension, is its triggering condition is whenever a card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere. Oh, wait, that's, that's, that's the triggering condition yeah. for actually doing the thing. He wants to know <laughs> whether or not he puts counters on it. That's the, that's the thing, the conditions that, that meet that. So it's at the beginning of each end step. If an opponent lost two or more life this turn, you may put a quest counter on Blood Chief Ascension. Luminarch Ascension says, at the beginning of each opponent's end step, if you didn't lose life this turn, you may put a quest counter on Luminarch Ascension. Wait a minute, those sound different. They are. They're worded differently and they function differently. Yeah, but the, 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 they're worded differently, but there's only like, there's the one operative word mm-hmm. in it's, the trigger that differentiates the two. And this, this is a common mistake. Mm-hmm. Dave, don't feel bad. Right. It's at the beginning of each end step for Blood Chief Ascension. So in each turn, it will trigger once. Right. There's one trigger that's happening. That trigger goes around to each player and say, Hey, buddy, lost two life this turn? Hey, buddy, lost two life this turn? Yes. Okay. Hey, I get a count on know, So as soon as it gets a yes to that one question, one one trigger that's going around asking everybody, it puts a counter on and then it stops. Right. If two different players have lost life, it doesn't matter. It still only gets one counter. Right. And that's where the difference is because in Two-Headed Giant, there are two opponents right. in Two-Headed Giant, but there is one end step. 
Correct. There's one step that both players share. Now, when we go over to Luminarch Ascension, it's going to function differently. In Two-Headed Giant, you can put two counters on it at the end of a turn here. Um, and it's, let's go into this here. It says, at the beginning of each opponent's end step, if you didn't lose life this turn, you may put a quest counter on this. So, so it's each opponent. So it, the card doesn't care so much about the step happening, but each opponent going into it. That is the, it's that the, is, you're so succinct. I love it. Is this, Luminarch is this worded poorly or what? I think it, the templating sucks for Luminarch Ascension. Can you, can you pull up uh, Lighthouse Chronologist? Because isn't that kind of the same? Is, is it the, oh my god. <laughs> Jose reaching into his binder was faster than Sean getting on Gatherer. That's I beat right. the internet, that's right. <laughs> it's like that commercial for, uh, what is that, web browser? And the oh, yeah, Go- Google Chrome, yeah. <laughs> so Lighthouse Chronologist's triggering condition is at the beginning of each end step, if it's not your turn, take an extra turn after this one. So that's each end step. So it cares about a step, not you know, so an Luminarch opponent going Ascension in could have been worded like Lighthouse Chronologist. But it would, be, it would function differently. But I, it would function kind of how we expect it to function, right? That's true. That's true. It would function <laughs> how, how we expect it to function. Because like, when right. I first heard about this, I went, huh? What? And I looked at it and I was like, okay, yes, but huh? What? <laughs> right. It's, and that's why Sean put it as, as good as you can put it. Blood Chief Ascension asks one question of the two players. Mm-hmm. Whoever says yes... It will trigger that one time. Luminarch Ascension asks once for each opponent. So in Two-Headed Giant, there are two opponents, so it will ask two questions. But the fact is that it's asking for information about you. You, and that is why it is an all or nothing. In other words, it'll ask a question twice in Two-Headed Giant, but the answer is going to be the same. It's Mm -hmm. either, yes, you lost life, or no, you didn't. Mm -hmm. So you get counters equal to that number. It, it should be like Lighthouse Chronologist. Oh, I, th- I agree that it would be clearer if it was worded that way. Yeah, but, but I don't think it should maybe be. Maybe the text didn't fit. I well, like I like the uh, multiplayer slant on it. I think that, you know, these, these little corner cases are kind of fun. Well, actually, the text not fitting, you need to take out the word opponents. It's actually shorter on Luminar Ascension. Oh, you shorten it if you, if you put it Sean's to the Sean's buying order. for a job on the templating team. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, and, and actually, the other fun thing about this is oh. that we have a two-headed giant tournament coming up for our F&M tomorrow. Oh, man. And is it's, everyone it's, playing this and card? And it's constructed. It's constructed yeah, two-headed yeah. giant. I think that's a bad idea, but, you know, I can't stop Inari from sanctioning it, so whatever. What else is good at two-headed giant over normal? Baleful Omen. I don't even know what the heck that is. It's an enchantment. So it must from, be good. It's enchantment from Rise of the Eldrazi. It says uh, you reveal the top card of your library on your upkeep, and each opponent loses life equal to its mana cost. Okay. It's pretty good. Ah, uh, again, it does not bode well for you. <sighs> All right. Oh, um, yeah, Breath of Malfagor, things like that. Oh, Breath of Malfagor was specifically designed. That's the thing. That was specifically designed to work in multiplayer. Right. I don't know if Luminarch Ascension 
was I don't think they looked at it and said, "Oh, this will be an every good two-headed giant yeah. constructed deck." No, that was probably not. Not I'm I'm guessing it was an accident, which is kind of a shame. Why okay. do you say that? Well, because are you when, kidding me? Wizards makes no mistakes. Because I think it's going to make a lot of two-headed giant games less fun, and two-headed giant is a format designed purely for fun. Like there are some there are some tournaments like standard or you know draft those are meant more for the competitive players that are like i'm going to be the best at this and i'm going to beat somebody else's face in yeah i'll have some fun doing it two-headed giant is not there for somebody to qualify for the pro tour on rating i mean granted you're not going to do that from an fnm anyway but you know two-headed giant is there so that you can bring your significant other that doesn't really play and help her get into the game him or her him or her, right or you can, you know, so you can... Yeah, and this because we have player. a friend who, who is female who That's brought right. her boyfriend into match. That's right. Melissa, we love you. Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, who gave you a shout-out? And, and right. so, yeah, this card or this interaction in Two-Headed Giant, if one team doesn't know about it, like, it sucks to be the judge that gets called over and be like, this technical wording, blah, 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 you're going to lose. That's, no, that, it, it's yeah. true. I, I do agree with Sean. Like, if you slam that turn two in a two-headed giant game, no, they got over. two turns. It's over. Yeah. You, you, this is, and it's a one-game match, too. So it's over in the first five minutes. You know, enjoy playing for the rest of the night. Main it, deck naturalized. It really, it really seems like it's going to be kind of a format-defining card. Yeah, like I would, I would main deck all the Kasali Pride Mages I could, or burn you spells, know? like just yeah. so you can like end the turn. Hey, cunning spark you. mage, stagger shock. Yeah, exactly. cunning spark That's, mage. Yeah, things like that. Stagger shock isn't going to work. No, because when it rebounds, it's on your turn. Yep. I didn't say it. Don't look at me. No, I wasn't no, the no. doofus who said that. No, Stagger Shock, you play Stagger Shock on your turn, and then on your next upkeep, that you do it again. That Stagger Shock takes care of damaging them two turns. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah you're Come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not the idiot who got that <laughs> wrong. Oh, wait, I am. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to our next question here. Uh, and this is from Hector, and Hector is from San Ysidro, California. Hector asks a question with the bane of all From magic where? cards. San Isidro. Y-S-I-D-R-O. Isn't it like Isidro? Isidro. Whatever. So Jose is the one who should pronounce it for us. So Hector asks us, Great show. This is an honest question. He, he prefaces this because it involves a card that all judges have learned to hate in the past. These days it's not as big, as big a deal, but let's... Let me, let me guess. It's Karma humility, Goyf. isn't it? It is humility. Oh. Uh, Congratulations. Oh, wow. Karma is going to rotate out of extended. Yes. Yep. No more, how big is your goif in the window questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, what do you mean? Legacy still plays it all over the place. That's yeah. true. I traded one away today. <laughs> You're such a shark. Wow. <laughs> nice. Did you get... What, what, uh, I got some good stuff for it. That's part of that stack that I showed you. Oh, Wow. What did you value it at? I, I gave him two stacks of cards, and he said yes. So that's... Eh. Anyway. I agree with Jose. You're a shark. Uh, no. Actually, Morgan's a good friend of mine. So. If you're going to try to play extended, you're going to need this card. 
Oh, no, no, no. Not mentioning that, like, if you're trying to play extended tour only. He's emailed me early on, earlier in the week, to ask for a Tarnogoyf from my collection for trade. So I broke my playset to do it. And he needed it for his cube. That's a that's a noble noble thing. Yeah. So I, I, I feel good about trading to him and he gave me some really good stuff for my Kozilek EDH deck. Win win. Yeah. Um, including I'm just gonna wait five months and buy him for ten dollars. <laughs> See, uh, I'm saying that will not happen. I don't think how far do, how far down will they go? I don't think 40? down at fifty? Yeah, maybe. You guys think it'll go down? I do I not. Think it, I think it'll be around. It's like at seventy anyway, right that's, now. Isn't okay, it? Huh? okay, and that's and that's a thing. How much is Jism Jim? I don't know. Juzan. I don't care. Right. He had that in his cube too, by the way. Oh, yeah. I have it in my EDH, my Mark Tedden EDH with a time vault also. Yeah, but but it's Mark, Mark Tedden. Tedden didn't. <laughs> by the way, that time vault came from a pack what? Of, a pack of Zen precious. Zen Treasure. That's right. It was a priceless, priceless, priceless treasure. treasure. It was a pack of Zendikar with a time vault in it. Yeah. Um, and it was not. It was opened by Melissa's boyfriend Wesley. Yes. Man. It all comes together, doesn't it? That's right. It was he a, it opened was, it like in front of Sean. Yeah. And I traded for it yes. because I and you, did not have a time vault. Right. Did you trade and a boy for it? I no, you, <laughs> you gave him good value for it, I'm sure, because yeah. you're an honest trader. I, I gave yeah. him unlike, boxes of magic cards for it. <laughs> unlike Sean the Shark. Oh, C- come sea on. Cat. Sea, sea Shark? Sea Shark. Okay. Sea what is a sea cat? <laughs> okay. A tiger of the ocean. <laughs> okay, moving on. Tiger <laughs> of the ocean. High five. Okay, moving on to Hector's question. You needed to move us on a long time ago. <laughs> Before we went on that tangent. Hector has a question about humility. Specifically, it's humility. I have none. <laughs> we all know this. We all know this very, very well, Ricky. You have no humility. Fantastic. Oh, that Hector wants perfect. to know about humility and Gideon Jura. What about uh, humility and Gideon Jura? Right, they don't interact, do they? I mean, Gideon's a planeswalker. Humility affects creatures. It's an enchantment. No interaction whatsoever. No, but I mean, I understand. No way they could possibly... You know, what's his question? Does it... Okay, he, he says, Gideon Jura, with humility in play, can Gideon become a 6-6 six, six prevent all damage guy, just like Mishra's factory lands become a 2-2? Two, two? Right, that's the same. Yeah, it's the same interaction. interaction. And the idea is that you're... Um, yeah, that the, the power and toughness setting ability of Gideon Jura... Is it happens after humility says, "Oh, we'll take away all your abilities and make you a one-one." No, it's not actually saying that to Gideon because he's a planeswalker. It's, all, it's all, all when you activate the ability, all of the timestamps of the ability are going to be later than the humility. Right. So the only way that you get a one-one Gideon Jura is if you. Activate him, then play your own humility. Or snake form him. That's, that That's gets you true. a 1-1 one, one Gideon Shura also. But but he um, still takes no damage. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the the best way to do that is to activate him and then play your humility, and then you get your 1-1. One, one, so. Does he not yeah. take damage? Which is the point of this question, I think, is how do I make my Gideon a 1-1? One, one? Well, is, actually, is actually the, is let, the me, let me actually see Gideon Shura's ability here. Is yeah. the damage prevention an ability on him, or is it something set up? 
by the activation. I need like, to read his his oracle text. So let's prevent the damage this turn. Gideon. Oh, oh. see, I don't Gideon even know. Actually, the ability that prevents the damage is part of the thing that makes him a creature. It's part of the part of the thing, the ability that makes him so a creature. So when he's a creature, and he doesn't have an ability on him that says prevent all damage to me. No. That prevention is set up by the activated ability. Correct. So there's no way to wipe that with a humility or a snake or form. Or he, becomes, like he becomes a creature with loyalty abilities. Let's move on. We're done with our mailbag. Mail's done! Alright, fantastic. Thank you, Jose, for stepping <laughs> that, up. Yeah, that was not even me. Thank you for stepping up. What do you mean? That was totally Ricky. Where Ricky wouldn't. Um, now let's get into our contest. We have a bunch of contest entries. To remind you what our contest was, you get a draft set of Nemesis packs. Isn't that the one with the grim monolith? No. <laughs> oh, then it doesn't matter. It's got Tangle Wire. Does that matter? No, it does, actually. Tangle Wire is Tang- cool. okay. Not, not, is I that mean, the only good card? That's pretty much the only good card in the set. Wow. I think Parallax Tide is in there. Oh, yeah, the Parallax. Those aren't good anymore. Yeah. Um, they kind of are. Blastoderm is in there. Terrible. Yeah. You can get Blastoderm now from the uh, Garouk versus Liliana. And oh, there was an FNM foil of it, too. That was awesome. Okay, maybe not. Well, they Blastoderm. printed Calciderm. Blastoderm was just one of those terribly named cards. Okay, so just for you, Ricky, I'm going to start us off with our candy bar concepts here. Did, did anybody enter a Ricky Hayashi candy bar? They didn't, but they did enter a Ricky Hayashi oh, doppelganger so, card. Oh, no! What? <laughs> they entered a, a Mike Flores bar. Oh, Mike Flores. And surprisingly... Claiming that Standard is so awesome right. in this Thursday's article. So, to give you a reminder of what this contest is, we asked you to describe for us the candy bar designed around a pro. So, this is the Mike Flores bar from a guy that calls himself the Amazing Chris. <laughs> How fitting. Does he get a candy bar? <laughs> we'll see. Um, maybe he could sell his Nemesis packs for a candy bar. Well, if you he should gets- send a candy bar with the packs to the winner. Oh, right. <laughs> Melted bar. <laughs> Mailing these in the summer. Where, where, where is he from? Arizona? Uh, you know, he He'll just go straight through the wildfire. He doesn't say where he's from. Get this um, boiling sack of <laughs> of baby Ruth. <laughs> so, so he actually has a good marketing marketing description of this here. As Mike and, Flores would, right? Inside this high quality chocolate bar, you will find a nougat mixture, somewhat nutty, and partly hot air. <laughs> Using state-of-the-art <laughs> preservation technology, this bar will taste just as good ten years later as the day it was made. Yes. <laughs> So that, that 10 years later, I think, is a reference to his, his dojo days, dojo days, his decade book, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Thank you. Thank you, the amazing Chris, for that. I blame you, Sean. Did, did any of you guys read uh, Mike Flores' article today? No. I don't read. No. Okay. Let's go on to the next description. Okay. Hi, guys. Here's my entry, a candy bar to honor Patrick the Innovator Shapin. This is, comes from Nick in Athens, Georgia. Can't be good either. <laughs> well, blame, actually, you know, you, Nick, Nick takes a much more literal approach to this. He says, "What, what? I did was Wikipedia the term innovator for ideas. First few people listed are Arabic, followed by the likes of Newton and Edison. So I decided, why not 
a bar of chocolate. I'm sorry, a bar of chocolate covered halva. Now halva is a sesame paste that's formed into a bar. Okay, it's very tasty. Um, it's a good, uh, yeah, uh, Israeli treat. Um, so a bar of chocolate covered halva with bits of apple for the reference to Newton. So why does this represent Chapin? Well, it references the oh. innovator title, and it is a very distinct flavor that some will love, others will hate, just like the divisive reaction people often have to him. Man, that's a good entry. Okay, so that's interesting. That's a candy bar I would love to try. My mouth is actually watering. But like, you know, if it was... Apple sesame seed, chocolate. But if it was named after Pat Chapin, I probably wouldn't want it, so... Okay. What did you call it? The Chapinator? Uh, you're going to get me in trouble. What? You're not like you're going to go work for the guy, work for the site that the guy... He's going to come up to me and say, <laughs> some tournament and be like, so... <laughs> What's, what's up with what's those up, judge cast guys? What's up with Sean? Like, you have some kind of problem with me? No. We love you, Pat. Okay. Well, um, Mellow Cow here. Yay, um, Mellow Cow. Mellow Cow drew us an LSV candy bar. Yes! What? Art! <laughs> Let me he see. drew us an LSV candy bar. Are you for real? He, he actually says it's more candy than bar. Now, don't be shocked. Not everyone is, gift, is as gifted as I am. And not everyone can become an arts professor as I have become at the age of 16. What? Um, so th- this depiction is what of is- success, capitalism, and World War One may have gone overboard. Still, simplicity, complexity, warm and cold, desire and disgust. It's all subtle, but there. And best of all, it's LSV with fancy sunglasses holding his own brand of candy. So Are you going to show me? I, in fact, we will show everyone because we will we will da- we will upload this picture to our Facebook group. So come be a fan of us on Facebook, and you will see <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful um, LSV candy bar it says picture. Strawberry Sh- strawberry pro. Strawberry it's, it's, pro. It's on the, the stick of the. It looks like a sucker of some sort. There's a big label that says candy with a nice arrow pointing to the candy. I, I like the glitter and of that's course surrounding the. It is quite literally a candy bar. It's yeah. got a bar sticking out of it. Yeah, and there's a great uh, portrait here of the the face of the bar that is LSV. Um, that's LSV. <laughs> it, it says so right there with LSV and the arrow pointing to LSV. It's, it's got to be LSV. Kind of looks like a CSV, actually. That's right. Is Mellow Cow Kyle, Kyle Sanchez? No, this is this is the LSV bar. So um, wait, wait, who was that? Like that was Mellow Cow so, on the side. No, 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 in the picture. Oh, I don't know. That was just some random profile on the side. Anyway, uh, Mellow Cow, thank you for that entry. That's very interesting. That was awesome. Um, I didn't see the pun. Slightly off topic, Chris Otwell writes to tell us that somebody ate a Mox Ruby during the first season of PTQs. <laughs> um, which is not quite a, a candy bar entry, but it was in the comments over on, on MTG Cast, so I figured I'd mention it. Um, okay. Delicious. Candy bar concept. This comes from Mike D. Uh, the Magical Christmas Bar. Or <laughs> <laughs> yes, Conley Woods Magical it, Christmas Bar. It's actually he calls it Magical Christmas Bar or the Conley Woods Experience. <laughs> so the goal is to make something that is green, black, and red while tasting awesome. So he's thinking that it would be a dark chocolate bar covered 
Uh, no, sorry. Dark chocolate covered marshmallows mixed with green and red mini M M&M and M candies. <laughs> wow. Okay, so that's Mike D's entry. <laughs> I I I like the name Magical Christmas Bar. Doesn't uh, it seem to flow off the tongue? Okay. Well, we have we have another like entry out of here. Your stomach into the toilet. <laughs> um. Oh, <laughs> this this one comes from Derp. Um, Derp says, I've heard LSV really? doesn't like cookies or cake, but likes pie. So maybe a pie-based candy. Wait, he's heard that LSV doesn't <laughs> so like... Pie, pie is so awesome, lowering it to do candy we, status. No. Do we know this? Like, where is he getting his information? I don't know. Is this in an article? I don't know. We have one more entry here, and this is from a local player, Ed Gibbs. Ed Gibbs. Ed from yeah, he goes to our FNMs Wait, all the time. Did you finish the pie base? That was that's it. all it was, was a two line thing. I don't. I don't. Think, what kind of pie? I don't think Derp is winning this contest. No, he he could have been a contender. Okay, so Ed asks us, or Ed rather has this this candy bar idea, and he calls it Kibler Cats and Bits. Kibler Cats and Bits. <laughs> did you post the Kibler photo? I did. Um, they would, they would be. Oh, they just made the face. That's right. And if you caught the latest edition of uh, Evan Irwin's magic show, oh, um, with Brad the, Nelson. There, yes, there was Brad Nelson this, doing yeah, the Kibler like, pose. This is for Brian Kibler, and then he does the pose. <laughs> All right. So Kibler cats and bits. Ed says they would be little bite-sized Kit Kat candies with cute little pictures of kittens and Kibler on the packaging. Why kittens? Because he. Eats kittens. I don't. I don't know. I. I think. Um. I. I just think. I think the idea of surrounding Kibler with like these cutesy little things. I can see that as as being interesting. But so, what do you guys think? Who gets the nemesis packs here? Who Who do we burden with nemesis (laughs) packs? Uh, What else would we we have wanted? I was hoping for maybe a Jamie Wakefield, some kind of dinosaur themed candy bar. Mmm. It tastes like fossil fuels. I think I, I think you could you could also get something like a like an interesting um uh, you know, Brian David Marshall used to be a pro, right? Um didn't he? Okay. Yeah, or you, you could have like an interesting bar with Randy Bueller attached to it somehow. Where are you going? Like, like, like what, what would you I, have? I, I, I wanted to see the Ricky Hayashi bar. Well, right, but Ricky's not a pro. He's a professional. Well, you're right. He's yes, but he's something. Okay, I don't want to know. So we have the magical Christmas. (laughs) You're professional, right, Ricky? Derp is gonna all of a sudden come in with. I've heard that Ricky Hayashi likes these things. (laughs) How do you know that? (laughs) I heard Ricky Hayashi likes. You know, I think choosing falafel. Where are you watching me from? Hayaki the Hayashi falafel bar. Choosing a winner on this is going to be tough. I like the magical Christmas bar concept. It's a little simple, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mellow Cow's portrait of LSV with the candy. That was pretty nice. That was um, – he really, really – Went that gave extra us, mile. Yeah, he gave us his all there. I, I appreciate that. Um, the Amazing Chris um, with the description of the Mike Flores bar, you know. That, that was that, pretty – That was some, some really good satire. I appreciate I that. I think the Amazing Chris should have submitted his own bar. The amazing Chris Bar, <laughs> yeah. um, and then also Nick, Nick with the innovator. You know, it's actually a better candy bar than it is necessarily a humorous idea. No, yeah, but I think that I think he went. Uh, I think you just don't like Patrick Chapin. I think that it really amounts to 
you know, in, we, talking about innovation we're versus Patrick Chapin. What? I think, well, because we have so many choices right. it's here, not about Patrick Chapin. Let's, let's, let's narrow it down, though. So let's let's give, you know, Nick with the the, the Chapin Innovator Halva Chocolate I'm, Apple thing. I'm going with that one. Oh. Just to me, spite Sean. Me too, actually. <laughs> okay, so I guess my, my initial description. Patrick the Innovator Chapin wins. Well, actually, Nick wins. So, um, Nick, Patrick I'm, I'm will out, find a I'm way to put it here. And Mellow Cow, I'll you give have him my a deepest... candy bar next time I see him. <laughs> there you go. This is from Sean Cadenisi. <laughs> yeah, Nick, you have my deepest apologies um, because I was voting against you, not for the Patrick Chapin issue of it, but more because I really thought that Mellow Cow really put it out there. And so. The picture? The picture was awesome. And, and when you go onto our Facebook it's group, it's not even a candy bar. <laughs> it's a lollipop, granted, but still, I think sending us that photo was uh, that drawing. I still was... think it's Kyle Sanchez. Yeah, <laughs> famous for his Microsoft Paint art. I think that uh, yeah, I I don't know. Like I I, I liked it, and you know, Melikow's an avid poster on uh, yeah, M- MT, MTG cast. He'll have his day. He'll have his day. Okay. He'll he'll he'll, he'll get, get so he'll get something better than. Three I, I, think, <laughs> I mean, I think actually, he could have won if he had stayed more on theme. Actually, I guess now that you now that you guys yeah. are, are mentioning this this whole manufactured idea that I somehow don't like Pat Chapin, I guess it's fitting that we're sending Nemesis packs. Oh, to the person. Did who you makes plan the Pat that? Bar. I think oh, we were totally wow. due. <laughs> I think that he's was like, no, no, was don't send it to Pat. <laughs> that was Sean's scheme that he. He totally that plot, set that scheme in motion. Wow. That plot spanned centuries. <laughs> okay. We were owned. All right. So I guess, guys, that's... You know, you talk about Arch Enemy. Hey, Sean, why don't you share the uh, first Arch Enemy game that we all played together? <laughs> what, what happened that game, Sean? Well, okay, so... We, Did he forget a pact? No, 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 no. It lasted all of five turns. What? Um, <laughs> it was... So so you know, Wes has no permanence in play. It's it's Wes, Wes again of yeah. the uh, time vault, pu- pulling a time vault. He right, gets right, to be right. the arch enemy. So okay. he was the arch enemy here. He bought all the sets and then he built his deck. Mm-hmm. So he he built his deck, and we're playing arch enemy EDH. Right. So he's a. He, I think we said you're at sixty. We're at thirty. I think right. that's just to kind of moderate, not make it take forever. Right. Um. And so, and so he was he was playing Omnath. Right. I'm just setting it up. Right. I'm gonna let you talk. No, no, I just absolutely. want to set it up. He's playing Omnath. He's playing Omnath. So it's a you know mono green, obviously, and that guy's a, a house. Um, and uh, uh, Sean, you were playing. I was playing my Crush deck, my 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 Crush deck, which has you know a lot of creatures in it. Yeah, a lot of creatures. Uh, I I had just recently built a uh, Jedit Ojaden of Efreva cat cat themed deck right. with every cat that I could find. In green. In green, of course, mono right. green. And, uh, Did you have sea cat? Moving right along. And uh, a friend of ours, Zach, was playing a Raksha Golden Cub, so it was like a... That was Jake. That's a, more cats. No, that wasn't Jake. Wasn't it Jake? Jake is I don't the care younger of the brothers. Wasn't Zach that is who the, was playing? No. It was the older brother that was playing? Yeah, it okay. was the older brother. All right. So it was Zach that was also playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was playing Raksha Golden Cup, so we were like the uh, cat twins, you know? Yeah, and then I had just crush. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. So then the the very first, because Wes is the arch enemy, he's going first. And you know, he, he draws his card and then he flips over the scheme to set in motion. 
Okay. And it's the scheme that says each opponent's going to mill until they get a creature, and then you get that creature. You get, he gets a choice of one of the three creatures right. because there was three of us. Did you hit three phages? No. I hit Emrakul. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I milled like 30 cards into an Emrakul. I milled three cards into a hunting cheetah. And I forget what. No, it was an elite cat warrior. That's right, it was elite cat warrior. Something amazing. Portal. And, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, what did what did Zach? Functionally get? better than normal cat warrior. Right. And Zach got some sort of equipment guy that really didn't yeah. matter. And so, of course, he takes the Emrakul. Turn one Emrakul. Right. Go. And, and, and no, not not only that. It's that you get. Did he get to cast the creature? No, he just got no, the no, creature. No, he yeah, so he just got his Emrakul. Okay, so that's that's not so bad. So Until, the like, fact that we started at 30 life becomes important now. Right. We could only take two hits from Emrakul. Oh, he Emrakul. gets to keep it. It's not like a threaten. No, he no. gets to keep it. Oh, crap. He, yeah, our first arch enemy game was turn one Emrakul, go. <laughs> Oh, uh, we lose. Yeah, I know. I did actually get a Tajura Preserver out there, and, and really, <laughs> I, I did get that out there before I really had to do a whole bunch of death. But um, yeah, that was still a, a short, short game. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't any good. That'll learn you. Yeah, kind of turned me off to EDH, or not to EDH, to Arch Enemy. It should turn you off to Emrakul. Uh, yes. People need to stop playing that card. Whatever happened in, like, you know, the other Eldrazi? Why don't the, the legendary Eldrazi get all the attention? Mm. Come on. I, I'm, I a personal, I'm a personal fan of Pathraiser Vulamir. I, I think he's amazing. My, my Kozlov deck, he's great there. All right, gentlemen. Well, with that great recap, um, and Nick, Nick, we will get you your packs of Nemesis. In four months. Okay. Yeah. Did I mention that uh, you haven't given me the pack? Did yet? I mention that I'm going to cut this part out? <laughs> Damn. But yes, you did mention it earlier too. All right. All right. I so. don't want the listeners blaming me because last podcast we said, "Oh, give them to Jose. He'll send them out." I made a solemn promise that I would get them out there. <laughs> And you will. And that's why you shouldn't promise, make promises that depend on other people <laughs> that, taking that, action. Yeah. yeah, that's true. All right, so we have a full episode for you today. Uh, I was hoping it might be shorter than normal, but we're approaching an hour and a half recording time here. So thank you all for taking the time out of your day to listen to us drone on about all things magic, magic judging, etc. Thank you for designing candy bars. Sorry, Alabama. We don't know why Sean hates you. It's a and, beautiful and, and state. Apparently, it really is. apparently, everybody thinks I hate Patrick Chapin now. So, <sighs> good thing he doesn't listen. No, good thing he doesn't live in Alabama. Oh wow! Or Pennsylvania, I guess, because I guess I insulted them too by calling them Alabama. Um, See how he snuck an Alabama insult there? Yeah. So, with that, folks, thank you for listening. This is Sean Catanese signing off. I keep it fair and sometimes I fail, like now. <laughs> I'm Ricky Hayashi. I always keep it fun. And Jose Bovada, I keep it real. <laughs>